0: Wasn't that awesome? Nobody threw baby Jesus. Was there a baby Jesus in there? Maybe we didn't take our chances. I shared with them last week, those that were here, a friend of mine pastors a church in, in Conway, and he posted a video they had, had done their uh, kids program a couple weeks ago. And one of the kids, it started with him pulling the blanket off baby Jesus and like whipping it around and throwing it and then... Uh, he grabs baby Jesus out of the manger and throws baby Jesus down. The little angel that's down there is appalled that such a thing could happen. You can just see the look on her face and she runs and grabs the baby Jesus and puts it back in the manger. But uh, love our kids, love that uh, they were part of our, our worship this morning. But this is our last Sunday together before Christmas and so uh, we typically celebrate that together as a church, as a church family. I've asked my beautiful wife, and doesn't she look stunning up here today? She told me not to uh, say, I huh? I did. Yeah, she, she <laughs> said, please don't talk about me. And I'm like, well, you're sitting up there in front of everybody. How can I not talk about you? But uh, I've asked her to join me up here today because she's the one that makes all the Christmas magic happen around our house. Um, But before we get to what we want to share with you today, first, uh, I want to make an announcement. Yeah, an announcement right in the middle of our our Christmas service, but it's important. Um, This Wednesday night, we are going to be having our Wednesday night uh, services this week. Our, our kids, our young kids, are all going to be having a Christmas party together. Our teens are going to be having a Christmas party in the attic. And then in here in the sanctuary, we're going to conclude our study that we've been doing of Advent and what the candles represent and why uh, we do that. And that will conclude this Wednesday night. So I encourage you uh, to join us. And then next Sunday, everybody say, next Sunday. Next Sunday. Okay, so you're all paying attention. We're only having one service and no Sunday school. Okay, so there's no 8.30 service, no Sunday school. We're all going to join together next Sunday at 10.30 for a time of worship, and then we'll resume uh, both services again the next Sunday after the first of the year. Well, on the order of the service that they uh, gave me, they uh, have, have this spreadsheet that says, you know, when everything's to be done, the amount of time that it takes and all that. Well, on the spreadsheet that they gave me, it said message at this point in time, which uh, typically uh, or is supposed to mean that that's where I'm supposed to preach a Christmas message. Uh, and, and typically everyone that's involved in, whether it's a Christmas service or an Easter service, it's always pretty well orchestrated and laid out, all right? Everybody has practiced. You can tell the kids have practiced their lines and practiced their songs. And, and uh, the praise team has practiced multiple times on the music that they're doing and, and, and all of that. And so everyone in, in those services uh, knows what they're going to do. I typically have notes made out for my sermon And I will follow it almost word for word in a service like this. Um, Almost word for word because we have it timed and we know exactly how much time it's going to take and all of that. So there's a lot that goes into one of these services. And what is scary about this is Lynette and I sit before you this morning and we're about to wing it. Okay? Okay. Which makes her and I both uncomfortable because we're both kind of control freaks. And we kind of like to know, what hap- you know what's going to happen. Uh, Hunter came up to me following the early service and he said, y'all are going to need to shorten that a little bit. And I'm like, good luck with that. I don't have any notes and so we're just going to go with it. But I, I want to explain to you what we're doing. Last Sunday... Uh, for those of you that were here, I preached a sermon out of Luke chapter two, talked about Simeon and talked about Anna, and the the importance of, of them in this Christmas story. What we could learn from them and take away from that. Well, uh, when I got home, uh, I believe it was Sunday night. It was either Sunday night or Monday night. I can't remember. We we were sitting in our living room and we were talking a little bit about that message, and Lynette began to share with me. Uh, as she's been studying the Christmas story these past few weeks, uh, she began to share with me kind of what had stood out to her this week. And as she began to talk about it and talk about what God had impressed upon her, uh, she began to get emotional as she was sharing it. And I could tell how dear this was to her heart and what God was saying to her through the Christmas story this year. And so what I asked her to do is just to join me up here and share some of that. So what we're going to do today is basically uh, share with you what takes place in our living room. Off, Well, no, probably not. Um, But uh, kind of conversation that we've had, uh, especially about the Christmas story this year, and just allow you to be a part uh, of that conversation just kind of what jumps out at us. First, I want to thank you for doing this. I know it's, um, it's something that you're not comfortable with. She says, I always cry when I get in front of people, and it's okay. That's what makes it good. But this Christmas is a little different for us and our family, isn't it? Uh, it's kind of, we've not really gone full-fledged uh, light show blowout like we normally do. Just kind of share what's been going on in our lives the last few months.
1: Well, he's told you that we're building a barn and bought a little little bitty farm and building a barn. Thank you, David. And um, and with David, apartment. I, yeah. with
0: both Davids are David our plumbers here. Yeah, that's
1: right. Oh, yeah. yeah. But we're, they're helping us build a barn with a little apartment in it. So we're trying to go through everything that you've collected over 33 years of marriage to throw the junk away that should have been thrown away 32 years <laughs> ago, and uh, just kind of getting ready to. But I know transition. a guy that
0: owns a dumpster yeah, service. Yeah, we know a so guy. So that helps. We know a guy. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, uh, Black Fork Dumpsters, if anybody's looking, uh, little pitch there, <laughs> go ahead. I'm, I'm done. I'm sorry, you're done? I'm done, It's all I have so to say. Is, Yeah, we've been kind of busy doing that, and, uh, hopefully we'll have that finished up in the next month or two. Uh, another thing that's different for us this year is this is our first Christmas with the little girl that we adopted, and I've got a picture of her there, I don't know if you can see her. That is not a full-size Santa, but that is a full-size Macy sitting beside Santa, and she's our little miniature schnauzer, and she rules the roost. She is beautiful, and she knows she is beautiful, and so uh, uh, it's been fun spending our first Christmas uh, with Macy, but I I just want you to share, and uh, we're both going to... Talk, but uh, just share a little bit of what you shared with me last week as we talked about this there uh, in our living room, and then I'll I'll share my favorite part.
1: So um, you need to know that I can't talk about anything biblical without crying, and I don't cry pretty; it's real <laughs> ugly. And so, um, but the the one of the most beautiful things to me is how uh, God put a message in everything that he did, everything that's written in this, every little detail is a message to us about his love and his grace. And so even in the genealogy, when you, you read Matthew 1, I used to start uh, reading Matthew 1 at verse 17 because all the begats, I just didn't like to read that. I didn't really understand what they were there for. And so um, I used to skip it every single time. But when you look at that, when you start reading who was a part of the lineage of Christ, and you think, you know, God could have put anybody in there that he wanted to. He got to pick. He got to pick exactly who was in uh, in the, the descendants of Christ, Christ's ancestors. He got to pick that. And instead, there are only three women that are mentioned by name other than Mary. And when he, you look at that, you think he's going to pick the greatest of the great, the ones that... We uh, were model, model Christians, model uh, God loving, God fearing people. But it isn't true. That isn't true. Uh, all three of the people that he mentioned are Gentiles, they're not Jews. And he didn't put Elizabeth and he didn't put Sarah. He put Gentiles. The first is Tamar. And Tamar was, um, he, she actually married um, one of Judah, like the, the tribe of Judah, the Judah married one of his sons, and the son did not do what God wanted him to do, and so he took his life. Then um, she married the brother, and the brother also was very disobedient to God, and God took his life. And so uh, uh, Judah didn't do right. He he, uh, withheld his third son, which was what he was supposed to do, was give his third son to her in marriage, and he withheld that. She actually dressed up as a harlot and disguised herself and uh, kind of entrapped him into sleeping with her. And she had a twin boys from that. So when you look at that, God had a choice in who he put in the, the story, and he picked her. And he did that to show you it doesn't matter about your past. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter about the mistakes that you've made. You still can become a, a child of God. He still loves you, and he came for you. The second person that's mentioned is Rahab, and Rahab was also a Gentile. She was a Canaanite. Um, She was a prostitute by trade, and um, she she God sent some, or the Jews sent some, the Israelites sent some um, spies into. Uh, The country to to try to look at Canaan and try to uh, determine how they were going to take it over. So they sent the spies into Jericho and Rahab took them in. She had only heard stories told about God and the things that God had done for his people and how mighty he was and how faithful he was to them. And um, she had, through these stories, she, she got to know him. She got to know God, and she, she took them in, and she said, I'll protect you if you promise to save me. I know what your God's going to do. I know what he's going to do. I know that even though this, this tribe in here is stronger than the tribe out there, you're about to take us over. And God did that, and then he pulled her in to the Jewish people, and she became a child of God too. It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter where you came from or the mistakes that you've made. You can be his child. And that's just such a beautiful story that he mentioned her. The third person that he he mentions in the lineage and names is Ruth. Ruth was a Moabite, which um, were enemies of the Israelites. And uh, Ruth was very faithful to her mother-in-law and cared for her and loved for her and ended up being in uh, becoming a very strong God-fearing and God-loving um, Israelite as well. But she was actually the great-grandmother of King David. He did such a, mi- a miracle in her life that she actually was the great-grandmother of King David. Then the next person that's mentioned but not named is Bathsheba, and you know about Bathsheba and David. Uh, committed adultery and and David had her her husband killed he actually had him deliver his own death sentence and uh, you look at David and you think this is a, a man after God's own heart I mean he says that a man after he was a man after God's own heart and God even though they had committed this great sin there were there were consequences for that but he still named her in the, the bloodline of Christ, it and doesn't he mention still kept her name. It though I mean, no, it,
0: her name's not even mentioned. No,
1: there. but it says it calls yeah. her Uriah's Uriah's wife. Uriah's wife. Yeah, and then the last person, so those three or four named and mentioned those women, um, just goes to show you it doesn't matter what happened in your past. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter the sins of your fathers or anything else. All that matters is that when you meet Jesus, you meet God, your life changes. And you give your life to him. That's the only thing that matters. And he changes everything from that point on. The The last person that's named is Mary, of course, Jesus' mother. And um, the thing... You know, we, we understand, all. Oh, the angel came and, and told her the great news that she was going to bear the Son of God and that she, all of these wonderful things were going to happen. And, but the only thing that you, we don't sometimes take into account is the, the criticism that she, that she had to endure. So whenever this angel came down and she became pregnant with the child of God, Um, it's real hard to explain to people that you live with and live around in your country, yeah, I'm pregnant, but I haven't ever done anything, I haven't ever been with a man. And they're going, right, yeah, right. (laughs) That's not really how it happens. Um, This was such a great sin because she was betrothed to Joseph, which was pretty much married but not married yet. Um, She had made a commitment. And so this was such a great sin um, and, and with the Jewish um, people That they could have stoned her And taken her life right then Joseph could have divorced her And called everything off And he strongly considered that Until the angel came to him All of these things The criticism that she endured And the heartache that she endured Goes to show us It doesn't matter sometimes You know your, your walk is good You're doing the things You think you're supposed to be doing And something tragic happens to where uh, it kind of it t- turns your world on its heels. And when that happens, we think, what did I do to deserve this? You know, I, what did I do? I have a special friend that's going through a tough time. And it's not her fault right now. And you're thinking, why? Why this? But behind every heartache, there can be a beautiful miracle. Mm-hmm. God can do the most wonderful things at the time that we seem to be hurting the worst. And he promises in his word that it doesn't matter what happens in this world to you. If you're my child, I'll work everything for your good. Mm -hmm. Everything for your good. Mm -hmm. So I think just if we just look at who God is, and who he came to be with. Hunter said, you know, Mom, it's just after the first service, he said, Mom, it's a miracle women are even mentioned in the lineage of Christ. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because women weren't, you you didn't mention women. You didn't talk, and Hayden said, yeah. And if you look at the way he came, actually the women were the only one that talked. They were the only one that um I mean, he stopped, he stopped the voice of others. They were the only ones that were telling that. So just a beautiful, beautiful story. Just a beautiful story of God's grace and forgiveness and life-changing. His, his, his love is just life-changing to us. And uh, if you just walk with him faithfully, everything will work for the good of, of you.
0: Mm-hmm. That's good. And these, these people that far from perfect, are mentioned here just to let us know Jesus our Savior came from them it was part of his plan that they would be used you know not the most popular not the most wealthy not the most perfect people but flawed people he used for his glory and for his good and it's that's so powerful and uh, I appreciate you, you sharing that. I just want to share real quickly kind of what stands out to me. And, and it's something that's always stood out to me in this story because I just feel like I can relate uh, with the shepherds in, in this story. I just I have always felt that way. They've been kind of my favorite part of the story. I just want to quickly uh, recap uh, what Hayden shared with us earlier um, that part of the story again, beginning at Luke uh, chapter 2, verse 8 it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Say, All the people. All
1: the people.
0: Who does that include? All the people. That includes every single one of us, right? I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those... On whom his favor rests. And, and I guess why this is so impressive to me. Is because of who God chooses. Who God picks to make this announcement to. And, and I don't know if that stands out to any, anybody else but me. I know I've preached on it before. But I, I mean if I was God and this was my son and I knew what my son was about to do and why he was coming and all this, and I was going to announce the birth of my son to the world, I probably wouldn't have done it like this, right? I mean, when our kids were born, uh, we had a, I had a list, I remember. I had to, to actually destroy it because I had a list of who I was going to contact when the boys were born uh, and the, it was like a priority list, and so we had to destroy it because we didn't want y'all to know where you were on the list, okay? <laughs> and, and so, anyway, but we contacted the most important people uh, first, and so, you know, I'm thinking, if I'm God, I would have had the angel choir, yes, announce the birth of my son, but I probably would have done it somewhere else, maybe... Uh, perhaps in the palace of the king of Israel. You know, that would be a great place to start. The king at the time was, was King Herod. Uh, I probably might have chosen the palace for these angels to make this announcement. Or maybe Rome, because Rome was the capital of the world. And that might seem like a, a good place to make an announcement like that. Or at the very least, you would think that this might have happened in the temple. Right? I mean, this was the place that represented the presence of God and where God was. And so you might expect the angels would present themselves in the temple and make this announcement that the Messiah had been born and the Savior had been born. But that's not how it happened. Instead, God chose to make this announcement of Jesus' birth to shepherds. And we don't even know their names. I mean, we know pretty much everybody's name of things that happen in the Bible, but we don't even know the names of these shepherds. And and the shepherds in our Christmas program this morning, I mean, weren't they cute? I mean, they were awesome. I was back there earlier uh, checking out the shepherds and all the costumes. But you know, we picture shepherds like we do in the Christmas program, and they're robes and they've got their, you know, their little staffs with the hook on them and, you know, their little fluffy uh, sheep or lamb or whatever they're called. I don't even know what they're called. Uh, Sheep, I guess, since they're shepherds. Uh, But anyway, you know, we we think of, you know, this cute little thing. Well, shepherds, there there was nothing cute about shepherds, all right? Shepherds back in uh, this time and in this culture uh, were not thought of highly at all. Matter of fact, being a shepherd was the lowest form, the lowest level of employment that somebody could have. All right, um, It was for the unskilled. It was for uh, people who were uneducated uh, and hadn't been schooled. Um, and in general, pretty much, for people who had basically just failed at life. That's who shepherds were. That's the people who were typically carrying over and, and watching the sheep. Um, if your kid grew up to be a shepherd, that wasn't something that you went around and bragged about, okay? It was just kind of like that. You didn't, you didn't really even want people to know that your child uh, was a shepherd. And of all the people... That God could have chosen to send an angel to this angel choir to, to announce the birth of His son, the savior of all of humanity, the savior of the world, He chooses these shepherds. And you know, if you think about it and give that some thought, this speaks volumes about our God, does it not? It speaks volumes about how God views the least of these. How God views me and how God views you. I, I mean this this tells us that he is fond of, he dearly loves, think about it, the poor, the outcast. Those whose lives are a mess. Those whose lives have completely gone off the rails. Those who feel like they're insignificant. Those people who maybe feel like they're forgotten. The guilty. Those people who feel unworthy unloved and unforgivable friends it's for all of those reasons that I can relate to the shepherds I've been there and I believe that some of you have too and yet the angels announced to them and to me And to you, if you can relate to these shepherds today, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth to those on whom his favor rests. Don't miss this. Who do these angels say favor rests on? These shepherds. (laughs) Who are they talking to, right? The shepherds. These shepherds and all those and all of us who can relate to the shepherds. And I don't believe that I'm the only one here today that can relate to them. I believe that we all can. Or at least we all probably should. Because we've all fallen short of the glory of God, right? There's nobody perfect in here today. We have all sinned, and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. But yet, what does this tell us? His favor rests on the shepherds. His favor rests on us. He sent His Son to do for us what we could not do for ourselves because He knew us. And if we accept Him... And we walk in steps of faith, these transforming steps of faith that we've been talking about the last few weeks leading up to to today. If we'll do that, think about it. Even the shepherds, even me, even you, can be called the children of God. His son and his daughter. And we are adopted into the royal family. I don't know if you ever think about that or not. It gives me goosebumps to think about. God would pick me, all right? Now, I know some of you, and you probably think, yeah, I should be adopted into a royal family. I should never have been even allowed close to the royal family, right? <laughs> but yet he chose me, and he chose you to be adopted into the family of the king of kings. And I can't get over this where it says, "His favor rest on you. His favor rests on you." Think about what that means to you this Christmas. My prayer for all of us this Christmas is that I'll receive him the way the shepherds did, that you will receive him the way that the shepherds did. And what did they did do? Well, they went to see him, right? They, they went to find Him. They went to see Him. And once they had seen Him, once they had experienced the Savior and who the Savior was and this transformation that comes through Him, you know what they did next? Let's skip down to verse 17 real quick before we close. It says, When they had seen Him, they spread the word concerning What had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Friends, once you have seen Jesus, once you have seen the Savior and experienced Him, and He begins that changing, that transforming work in you, other people will see Him through you, through your actions. Through the things that you say, people will see him and know him. Because you know what? We talk about what we're excited about, right? I mean, we were talking about the Razorbacks until they just lost two in a row. Now, I really don't want to talk about it anymore, right? So we talk about what we're excited about. Are you excited about seeing Jesus? Are you excited about experiencing Jesus? Are you excited about this transformation that can only come through Jesus? We will share what we're Proud of and what we're excited about. Well, what else? I share uh, the thing about the uh, the wise men that we talked about as we wrap this up because I thought that was that was a good thought.
1: So a couple of years ago, when he asked me to talk at Christmas time, I shared pieces of this then. But um, when you think about the Magi, the wise men, those were actually astrologers um, from the royal court of Persia. Again. Uh, they weren't Jew, Jewish people, um, but they were looking at the stars. that's what they did. they They searched the stars and they found something um, one night that was so extraordinary that they they knew that it was it had to be from God. And so they started following that. They knew that it was uh, the God of the Jews, and they went to Jerusalem because that's where the palace was. and you again, like Steve said, you look for a king in a palace. So they went to Jerusalem uh, trying to find this king, this, this uh, new king. And when they got there, they talked to the people. So the good thing about, the, the most amazing thing about that to me is that God put his sign exactly where he knew they would be looking. Hmm. You don't have to search for him. He makes sure that you know where to find him. And that's just beautiful to me. Yeah. That's beautiful to me that he does that because he does that in our lives too. But then the sad part of that story is that when, he, um, when they got there, to the Israelite people, to the Jews, to the people that God spoke directly to, he led them out of captivity multiple times because they got, kept getting themselves back into it by, by not trusting him and serving other gods. But he led them out of captivity, he fed them, he made water come from rocks. He did all these miracles for them. And when they were so disobedient, he said, I will not speak to you, you won't hear another word from me for 400 years. The next time he spoke was when Jesus was born. So Jesus was actually the word of God wrapped in skin. That was delivered to us, and so they they recognized his star, and they went to in search for him, and they went to the people that they knew would know where he was, and they did. They asked uh, King Herod, "Where is where is this child that we, we've seen his star? Where is he?" And when they found him, when they they uh, King Herod, of course, didn't know. He went to the people. Uh, God's people, God's chosen people. Those religious spoke, leaders. Yeah, yeah, the religious leaders. They had it
0: all memorized. Exactly.
1: <laughs> and they quoted scripture telling exactly where Jesus would be, where the baby would be born. They quoted exactly where they could find him. They told the magi, this is where you go to find him. It's been told for hundreds of years. And then they turned around and walked away and let the wise men go without them they didn't go That's heartbreaking to me. And my prayer is that we don't do that. He's given you his word to study and to to guide you in your walk and and to show you where he is, and he guides us through his holy spirit everywhere that we should go. Never once do you have to question about something with God. If you're ever at a path to where you don't know whether you should do this one or whether you should do this one, you go where his peace is because his peace is the guiding the guiding light of our lives. I don't want to ever be guilty of knowing where he is and choosing not to follow hmm. because your your path is never going to go right when you do that. But they did that. And um, when, you, when you study it, one of the, the uh, commentaries that I read said... There's a, fine line, there's a fine line between uh, choosing not to follow him and wanting him out of the way. And the, the, the story behind that is this same group of people that told them exactly where to find Jesus and decided not to go themselves. The next generation of those same people were the ones that had him crucified. Mm-hmm. The, the Jewish leaders. God help us. That we don't ever do that. Yeah. So in this is such a story for our lives. Such a wonderful story for our lives. You know who he is. Mm. Follow him. Don't walk away from him. Be obedient to him and be committed to him. And do the things that he's told you to do in his word. And study his word. and, And love him like he's loved you. Never once in your entire life, if you turn your life over to him and you choose to follow him, never once will he be unfaithful to you. Never once will he be untrustworthy to you. When you need him, when you're hurting, he'll be your healer. When you are uh, wandering and you're lost, he'll be your path. He is everything to you that you could ever need. And why do we not give him more attention and more love and let him be the purpose for our lives?
0: Mm, That's good. We've all heard about him. We all know the story. Question is, are we a part of the story? Do we just know it or are we a part of it? You know it says here in our text, unto you is born this day. Unto you has been born this day a Savior. Have you received him? Will you receive him? Do you just know the story or are you part of the story? Because if you're part of the story, the people around you are going to know that you're part of the story. They're going to know your Savior And what he's done for you personally and individually in your life. And if the people around you don't know what Jesus has done in your life. Then maybe Jesus hasn't done anything in your life because you haven't accepted him yet. And surrendered your will over to him. And if you hadn't, I challenge you today to do that. I challenge you today to make this story your story in your heart and in your life and I would also ask you read this Christmas story together with your family and talk about it just talk about what it means to you who you can relate to in the story how it speaks to you there's there's nothing more special than having this conversation right here um, in your home and so I challenge you I encourage you to do that this Christmas To do that together as a family. And then um, we're going to do another responsive reading here. And I just ask you to think about the words as we read them and say them. Consider these words um, and let God speak to you. Again, follow me. You will read the highlighted text as we prepare our hearts for Christmas communion this morning. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. It is not with the perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean, sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more, then, will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death, so that we may serve the living God. This morning we come to this sacred time of communion. When you came in, you found in your seats there the elements of communion along with a candle that we will get to in just a few minutes. But first, I want to say this, especially to those that might be visiting with us today or uh, may have never participated in communion at a Nazarene church before. The Church of the Nazarene does not require that you be a member of this local church in order to receive communion. We only require and ask that you are a follower of Christ. You are a part of His church, the church, the family of God, and you've done that by believing and receiving and accepting Him as your Savior. You're invited to participate if you've done that in your heart and in your life. Now, if you would like for your children to participate uh, this morning, that is solely up to you, okay? It's not my place to tell you whether your kids ought to receive communion or or not today. Uh, If you would like for them to participate in order to teach them the importance uh, of what we're doing here today, uh, by all means, it's a beautiful uh, sacrament And uh, you're welcome to do that if you would like to teach your children this morning. So if you would, please take the communion elements in your hand at this time. And if you peel off the bottom layer of the cup, it will uncover the bread. So I ask you to please remove the bread at this time. If anyone around you needs assistance, please take a moment to help them. I know these can be challenging sometimes. If Is there anyone that doesn't have one at their seat or one close by and you need one? Just lift your hand. Jesus said this about the bread that we hold in our hand today. He said, this is my body which was broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So let's eat the bread and remember Christ's body, which was broken by His wounds. We are healed. Let's eat. Now peel back the top to expose the juice. And again, you may want to help your child or someone close to you. But Jesus said this about the cup that you're holding. He said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do it in remembrance of me. Let's drink the cup today and remember the blood that was shed so that our sins could be forgiven. Would you all join me together in prayer? As we recite the Lord's Prayer together as a church family Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation